What is up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting, invigorating episode of HomeKit Insider. It is Andrew here. I am with my ever-willing partner in crime, the one and only Stephen Robles. How you doing, man? Doing well. That was a clean intro. I like that. Thank you. I spend hours crafting them. Hours. Uh, it is a whole process. Yeah. yeah. Whenever, whenever those people who watch the YouTube channel, they're like, ah, oh, there's no video today. It's because I spent the entire day thinking mm. of how to intro the show. That's what it is. Wow. True story. Not really. That's impressive. <laughs> you have been using your time in certain ways, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's hit some uh, quick news bits. And so Yale, they announced the availability of their HomeKit smart delivery box. You know, we talked about that Eufy delivery thing that's on Kickstarter now, and that won't be available for a while. But Yale's is uh, right now. You can go get it. And we'll put a link in show notes to their store. And they have a few models kind of ranging from like 280, 230, depending on what you want to get. But they're Wi-Fi enabled delivery boxes. You can control it with HomeKit. You can buy it with a smart keypad if you want, you know, to be able to give your delivery people, you know, a code to be able to open up the box. So you can get that now. You can also get the Yale cabinet sensor where you can put the little thing in the cabinet. You know if a cabinet's open or closed uh, or if your wife is sneaking snacks in Andrew's case. (laughs) Fun fact, those are actually essentially the same product. So they're actually using their smart cabinet uh, lock inside of their delivery box. So they partnered with uh, Step 2. Is it two-step or Step 2? I don't know. Pick the correct one. Yeah. It's, they partnered with them to create the plastic box, which can be mounted and locked to your porch or just weighted down, whatever it is. And then they added their cabinet lock to the inside of that. And then they have a bunch of delivery specific kind of rules so that uh, like it opens and then when you close it again, it automatically locks behind it and you can lock it uh, remotely. And they're using like the Connect module. It used to ship with like the August and now it's the Yale Connect module, but that is what gives it the Wi-Fi access. But these things are cool. I saw these out at CES. These are the closest I've seen to maybe a functional usable delivery box. For people like me who get an abundance of deliveries, it might be a little more problematic because you'd have to essentially like unlock it every time. But uh, I am definitely picking one up to try, especially when we're out of town and I get nervous about packages sitting on our porch. So I'm going to be getting one for sure to replace uh, what used to be the box lock that I had before. Oh. But I'm excited that these are now shipping. These are pretty sweet. Very cool. So you are going to get one of these. I am, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to let us know how that is though, once it comes in. All right, now you said there's some changes. The iOS 14.2 public beta is now widely available. You can get it. And there are some HomeKit changes. Andrew, why don't you tell us what that is? Okay, it is like, technically, I guess you could say it's three changes, but it's the ittiest, bittiest of little changes. (laughs) They've updated the icons in the Home app on the bottom of the screen. They are now slightly more rounded. The door (laughs) inside of the little house, it went from the right side to the center. Wow. These are groundbreaking. You guys heard it here first. Mm. Major Man. changes coming to HomeKit. New icons in the Apple Home app. Incredible. I know. There's also new emojis coming in 14.2, but that has nothing to do with HomeKit. So. No one cares about that. They care about the new HomeKit icons. I don't know, man. People people in their emojis. <laughs> what is this? Did Wes like, tweet at you every new emoji? What is this? I'm looking at our article Oh, my here. God. That made me... That, that saved me so much time. I was so happy that Wes did that. Like, so that day, that day that happened, I was like running around working on the studio. I was heading to the to the wood shop to finish up um, this huge custom door uh, I'm building for 
uh, the entrance into my studio. So I'm like waiting until one o'clock. I'm like, okay, it's one o'clock, no betas today. So I get in the car and I head down to start working on stuff. And next thing I know, it is like one fifteen, and the betas dropped. I'm like, no, I'm already like at the shop, and I'm like in the middle of milling down some boards. I'm like, shoot, what? Do I, I'm like, okay, I gotta finish this up. So I finish up what I was doing, and I run back home. And then I had a call with the Linksys team over some stuff that I was having issues with. So I get on the call with them by three o'clock while the same time I'm on the phone with them, I'm like trying to record stuff for this beta and get like my watch updated and everything to see these things. And Wes was like, here you go. And just tweeted all the new emojis. Like he'd already done the beta, you know, back at one o'clock when it was released. So I was like, oh my, thank you. Cause I would have been like sitting here, like looking through the whole list, trying to find the exact ones that were new and just (laughs) like wasting another like hour or two. Thank you again, Wes, for (laughs) saving my butt on getting that beta out the door. 15 minutes late and I was shooting myself in the foot. All right. Well, I have another tale of a HomeKit project. A project is a little bit of a gracious word for this uh, (laughs) item, this HomeKit item. But you know, on last week's episode, which if you missed last week's episode where we interviewed Matthew Kiesler from Linksys, you should definitely check it out. That was a really fun interview. It kind of told us about what Linksys is doing and their focus on privacy and how they're bringing HomeKit to their tri-band mesh routers. And you know, Andrew, I couldn't tell. Uh, maybe you could tell me. Did did he actually say HomeKit will come to the Wi-Fi six versions of the Velop? Yeah. Or was he just like we're developing HomeKit in future routers? No, no, it'll be coming to the other ones. So they okay, they've okay. done this for a while with a bunch of the other features. If you've paid attention to the kind of the Linksys stuff, they're doing a bunch of kind of trippy things with their routers. Um, they have this thing called Linksys Aware, which it literally uses the Wi-Fi signals in your home to detect motion and. I mean, it doesn't do all that much yet. I mean, especially if you're a HomeKit house, you've got, you can have motion sensors or cameras or whatever else. So getting kind of just an an alert from your router that there was motion detected at your house, it's not a huge selling point uh, for me right now, but there are cases where that could be useful without having to get any additional devices. But that Linksys Aware tech, they've been like building out. They literally came out with a standalone device that they're actually using to detect motion and like heartbeats and all this crazy stuff but they've been prioritizing it with their tri-band line of routers. Like specifically the, the tall, skinnier ones, those tri-band routers, they've been getting features first in Linksys's lineup. And then down the line, they usually bring it to other routers. Their dual-band VELOP routers or what we're waiting for, which is our Wi-Fi 6 VELOP routers. So those will be getting those updates, but they're just... Linksys is prioritizing its its like flagship line. It brought Linksys Aware to them first. It brought a few other updates uh, to those first before they end up rolling them out to their other ones. So we will get HomeKit. We just have to wait a little bit longer. But uh, as I'll talk about in a little bit, I've got HomeKit running on my Linksys routers. So nice. I'm happy at the moment. Well, hopefully I will get there soon too because I have the, the Wi-Fi 6 version. And uh, I know Wes is also waiting for... HomeKit updates on his because he's got the Velop. Anyway, what I want to talk about is, as I mentioned last week, I bought one of the SwitchBot devices that we talked about in last week's episode. It was, I don't know, I just thought it was a hilarious device. And so I had to try it. So the SwitchBot, I got it a couple days after the episode. It is really just a rectangle, little white rectangle. I'll make the chapter art, the picture of my SwitchBot that I mounted on one of my light switches. So you can check it out. Stick it to a light switch or whatever else you want. You want to stick it to a coffee pot. You want to stick it to a fan. 
I mean, you can really put it anywhere. And all it literally does is have this little arm that comes out and presses a button for you. So a couple words on the SwitchBot. We'll talk about HomeKit in a second because it doesn't have it. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. So the SwitchBot, the little arm thing, it's not super strong. And so you can't, it might not work on some switches. So I just want to put that out there as a thing. You know, if you have a really hard switch on whatever device you're wanting to use this on, it might not work. If the switch is like, if it's a button type and it's inset or it's a little farther down than flush with the you know, device, it probably won't work on that either. It's really made for kind of the paddle style light switches. It works really well on that. And that's what I put it on. I put it on a paddle style light switch. Obviously the arm just goes one direction. And so I have it at the bottom of my paddle switch where when I activate the switch bot, the little arm comes out and it just turns the light off. And <laughs> I put this on a light switch because we have a single light bulb in our shower um, because there's just it wouldn't be very bright in there. So we have one light kind of on the top of the shower. The only time we would turn it on is if we were taking a shower or going in there. So I never really have to remotely turn it on. So I have it at the bottom of the switch so we can turn it off in case we forget to turn it off and we're already in bed or whatever. So I put it on the bottom of the switch. Now it does come with these little like adhesive stickers with like an elastic band where you can like put the sticker on top, like on the other side of the switch and loop it around the arm of the switch bot. So you can have the arm kind of go out and hit the bottom and stay there. And then when you're ready to activate it the other way, the little arm goes back and it pulls the elastic band and the sticker and kind of pulls the paddle switch, the top part out. So if you really want to jerry-rig it to go both ways, at least with a paddle style switch, you can do that. Uh, but I just, I didn't do that. I didn't want to put stickers everywhere. So I just have it on the bottom. So you have to use the SwitchBot app. So you download the SwitchBot app and it's literally just one software button. You, you press the button in the app, a little arm comes out and it does its thing. It's worked every time I've done it. Uh, the little arm comes out, hits the paddle switch. But when I bought it, you know, I, I mentioned it because I think it was HomeKit Authority tweeted about it, uh, you know, which is really cool. They do, they, he does an awesome job with the HomeKit. He does an awesome job pushing, you know, new HomeKit products and talking about that kind of stuff. And when I went on Amazon, it does say HomePod. And this is kind of like, it's kind of like one of these misnomers. Like the title of the device on Amazon is like the SwitchBot Smart Switch Button Pusher, no wiring, yada, yada. Add SwitchBot Hub. I missed that part. To control with Alexa, Google Home, HomePod, and IFTTT. And for some reason, because we were in the middle of recording a podcast, and that's when I buy my HomeKit devices, apparently. Saw HomePod and my brain thought HomeKit, maybe. So the Switch itself is not HomeKit. And also, you cannot connect the switch to any kind of voice assistant like Alexa or Google Home without the hub. So if you want to use some kind of voice thing, you have to buy the SwitchBot hub, which is sold separately. So that's a point of information. I didn't get that. Even if you do get the hub, it is still not a HomeKit-enabled device. So what they say, because when I got the box, the SwitchBot box in the mail, I was looking at the smart home compatibility thing and I saw Google Home and I saw Alexa and then it said Siri shortcuts. And I was like, what? I mean, I, I rarely see on a smart home device Siri shortcuts promoted. You either see HomeKit or you don't. And so after reading all the documentation or whatever on it, if you get the hub in addition to the SwitchBot, then you can connect the app 
to series shortcuts and you can use a series shortcut to control it. It does not add the device in your home app. It does not make it HomeKit compatible, not HomeKit. So you can control it with Siri shortcuts or IFTTT or Google Home or Alexa if you want, but you have to get the hub and it is not a HomeKit device. So it's a really interesting product. You know, if you have a very specific use case, like I'm sitting at my desk right now and I'm looking over at my printer and, you know, sometimes my kids will turn off my printer and then my wife and I will try to air print something and it's not on. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll get one for the printer. And, you know, I just stick it right next to the power button. The power button's flush with the surface of the device. Like the SwitchBot could handle that. It would be able to turn on the printer, no problem. So if you have a device like that, or if you want to put it on a paddle switch that you don't feel like switching out the switch with a HomeKit switch or whatever other reason, like the SwitchBot is kind of a fun little device. Again, you can get it on Amazon right now for like 26 bucks or something like that which is not super cheap for a single purpose device, but it's kind of interesting and I'll put a picture and the link in show notes so you guys can see it in action. That's the SwitchBot. Okay, so I have I have follow-up questions here. Okay, yeah. For sure. Okay, so one, how much does the hub cost to get the Wi-Fi and Siri shortcuts access? So the SwitchBot hub is $40. $40, okay. Which definitely makes it more expensive if you're buying one of these things. Yeah. But I feel like that's not too bad if you're going to have multiple of these little fingers <laughs> moving around your house. So That's exactly what it is. <laughs> just a little robotic finger poking I, things. I just have to say, so, like, I don't, I don't know much about the SwitchBot brand, but in all their product titles on Amazon, like I'm looking at the SwitchBot hub right now, Yeah. it says, compatible with Alexa, Google Home, HomePod, and IFTTT. And I feel like saying it's compatible with HomePod is kind of the biggest misnomer of the whole branding of this product because in our world, the HomeKit world, the HomePod is a home hub. And so I just make that connection to say, okay, HomePod, I guess they mean HomeKit. Maybe they just don't know the difference. But they're really just saying you can use a Siri shortcut. I'm trying to figure out in my head where that crossover is with your smart home gear and the shortcuts app because you can create a shortcut and then you can also create, you know, home kit things in the shortcuts app. Like for example, we've talked about this before. You can create an automation that runs whenever you tap like a NFC sensor. So of course an NFC sensor is nothing to do with home kit or the home app. You can't do anything with NFC there, but you can create this automation rule inside of the shortcuts app that whenever your phone detects uh, an NFC tag, it can run, it can turn on a lamp, your HomeKit lamp. So what I'm wondering is, can you do something similar in reverse? When a HomeKit motion sensor does something, can it run a shortcut? And can that shortcut be your SwitchBot? Yeah, I mean, you can. Which I think that that almost makes it HomeKit enabled without getting that HomeKit certification. You're literally creating the same automation there's additional steps to do it right but it seems like it may work uh that way or if you can make it part of your part of your scenes like your shower time scene or something and if you yeah yeah i mean i don't have this thing so i can't play around with it but i would be curious on how those could work together i know you're gonna make me buy the stupid hub i know i know you make me do it uh because here's the other thing too so there's two hubs there's the Hub Mini and then the Hub Plus. 
and I'm trying to figure out the difference. Supposedly, both of these hubs also are IR blasters. Okay. So apparently, you can use these hubs to maybe even control a TV or other IR devices. So <laughs> I'll just I'll just do it. I'll do it. Anyway, uh. It's fine. I'm going to... Well, you've already invested in the Switch bot. You might as well... Because <laughs> if I were to do it, I'd have to buy the Switch bot, and then I'd have yeah, to buy yeah. the hub. Uh, yeah, and of course. Yeah, it's a lot as of we're about to talk about, I clearly have enough stuff going on uh, right, in my right, life right. right now. So I really wish I could tell the difference between the Switch bot hub mini and the Switch bot hub plus at a glance. There's a $10 difference between these two products. I feel like I need to record a new intro for today. How about, uh, welcome everyone to HomeKit Shopping, where we listen in real time as Steven buys things. Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, <laughs> I thought that, I mean, it's a really cool device. Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, rail on SwitchBot and say they have a have not a good product. It is very interesting. No, I'm fascinated by that. I mean, especially with the, the low cost of the device itself. I was wondering that, too, of how they were doing Wi-Fi with such a small battery-powered device. So it makes sense that there's an additional hub to go with it to get that functionality. Uh, it seems like they should have been more clear up front that you needed the hub to get Siri shortcut access. I mean, even with Siri shortcut access, I think that's pretty cool because you can just tell your HomePod or Siri on your phone, turn on the lights, and it can that can trigger that shortcut right there to toggle that switch. You can say, Siri, turn on the printer, and your printer turns on. Like that alone is is really neat functionality, but it does get pricier once you add on that hub, unless you've got a bunch of these things going around your house. But if you have that extra features of being able to use it as an IR blaster, you got some IR stuff still around your house, whether you're sending it to, I don't know, I guess uh, I was gonna say my Hue sync box that used to be controlled via IR, uh, but you can see, change that now on and off with Siri shortcuts. So you don't even need to worry about that anymore, but um, anything that's running on IR, maybe an old, a fan, you have a fan that has a remote, a lot of kind of dumb fans have just those uh, basic uh, infrared remotes that you can use to turn those on and off with. So you could set up a fan and make a, a dumb fan home kit. Yep. Uh, that'd be a good use case for it. So I don't know. You're well, buying it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I already bought it. It'll be here tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I will say it looks like the Hub Plus is not on SwitchBot's website. Like they're not advertising that product anymore. And when I look at it on Amazon, it's saying view newer model. And it's bringing me to the Hub Mini. Um, so I have a feeling that Hub Plus, which it literally looks like a cloud, which is hilarious. I'll include the link in show notes, but don't buy the, the Hub Plus because it looks like that product might be old, like out of date. But the SwitchBot Hub Mini, which is also an IR blaster, it's also $10 less. It's 39 bucks, And it's free one-day shipping. So anyway, it will be here tomorrow as we record. And we'll have another follow-up on the SwitchBot saga oh my gosh. Uh, next time. It's going to be a month-long saga. With your robot finger. Honestly, if it can control the TV in my bedroom, because I had a Logitech Harmony remote, like an old one with the screen on it that I was using for my bedroom TV, and it died. Like the remote just would not, like the screen would turn on, I see the Logitech symbol, then it just turn off. And so I bought like a $9 universal remote, and the only purpose is to turn on the TV, because all I have connected to it is an Apple TV. So I just literally use one button on the universal remote every day. So if this can actually turn on my TV and control the switch bot in one device because it's an IR blaster. I am mad about that. Like that'd actually be pretty interesting. So I'll let everybody know. All right. Well, enough about switch bot. Tell us you have a bunch of stuff going on, Andrew. Start wherever you'd like. Go for <sighs> okay. it. Okay. I guess I have like three ish things. 
that I've been working on recently. So the first one, which is the shortest, because I have not had time, by the time that this podcast is live, I will probably have a video review of this up. But as of now, I've opened it and played with it for all the 30 seconds before we started recording, which is the new Hue Play Gradient Light Strip. We had a lot of questions when this thing was announced. It is very cool, but I cannot tell you anything right now. I've got the 65 inch uh, model for my TV. It actually, so it has a, the whole thing is flexible as you'd expect, and it's designed to make sure it can kind of traverse those right hand angles. The right, um, my words are upside down in my head. <laughs> okay. 90 degree angles. Uh, right corner, right triangle angles on the t- corners of the TV there. Instead of being like completely round or flat, there's like a, a right angle and then a curve connecting those other two sides. So the right angle is uh, matte black, and then of course the other side is the semi-opaque white color that the light's going to come out of. So this cannot be trimmed or cut or anything like that, and it's made to size for the TV that you're getting. And it has those flat, those two flat sides to go up against the TV. So that it kind of nestles there flat. And then the light comes out at that uh, like 45 degree angle or something out of the back of your TV to cast outwards and onto the wall. So I am very excited. Uh, so far, just kind of like booting it up. It has a really nice little, it does a good job of changing the colors, like the gradient colors and stuff like that. Uh, it'll be more or less like home kit enabled, I believe, because it is a hue light, but you're only going to be able to change the the color of the entire light. In my head, the way I'm going to have this set up is with normal kind of uh, normal scenes for like the living room, I'll have the light turn on just like I would have like the light strip across the mantle and the other lights in the room. It'll come on, it'll match the color of the room all of that fine and then whenever I go to watch TV uh, the sync box will come on this thing will kick in and it'll change the color with uh, the movie that I'm watching something like that Uh, I won't use it for things like uh, TV shows because commercials sometimes it gets really obnoxious because they're so fast and the (laughs) light updates a lot Mm. so uh, I don't really use it for for TV too often but I kind of still like to have the general light going on so I probably have the sync box off but the light casting out um, a gentle glow reduces the stress of the the light from the TV on your eyes. So I'll probably use it for that in kind of general home kit terms, and then it'll sync with my sync box to change the light around my TV to what's going on there. Uh, there's all the different zones in it, and basically it'll be able to have uh, more control, it'll be more granular as the colors change, and stuff will be able to kind of shift from one side to the other without having to mount like three of the play bars or whatever they're called uh, behind uh, the TV. So I'm excited. It looks nice. I'm excited to get this thing set up. So I'll probably jump off at this podcast today and then start kind of filming some setup stuff. Then I can play with it throughout the weekend and get a review up for you guys. And we can follow up with this thing next week. But that is the miniest of projects that I'm working on. Very cool. Yeah. <sighs> I guess going on from my fun life with my Hue light strip. Steven, I spent so much time working on my network stuff yesterday, which is the, I don't want to offend Matt when I say I do not want to spend my time working on networking things. Uh, <laughs> but I don't. 
I don't want to spend hours working on networking stuff, and I had to yesterday. I ended up swapping out my, I ran to the store and swapped out my modem, because we just had, we've had so many issues with the internet at our house. I've had Spectrum out here, and they're like, I think I changed my setup with my neighbors. He's like, let's see if that fixes it. I'm like, isn't that going to screw over the neighbor? I'm like, I guess that's not my fault. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to ask questions that I don't want to know the answers to. But they did a bunch of stuff, and we were still having intermittent uh, internet issues all the way direct back to the modem. Um, so hopefully swapping that, I was a part of fixing my issues. And then after that, I was digging into my Velop routers. As we've talked about at least a little bit in the past, I've got two networks going on. I have my Wi-Fi 6 network where I have uh, my main devices, my iPhone, my iPad, stuff like that, um, all connected there. And then I have a second network, kind of my legacy network, which is the Velop Tri-Band, because I really want a lot of coverage with my that backup network. And that is what I use for all of my smart home tech. So all of my HomeKit stuff is on there. And... I don't know if I was like three or four Manhattans deep when I set up my routers <laughs> because I must have been on something because I'm looking through all my cables under the, my desk here where I have a bunch of this networking stuff and I had like somehow I had my tri-band router connected to my Wi-Fi 6 router twice what? Like, I literally had a cable going from my Wi-Fi 6 to a network switch. Okay. And then I plugged in my tri-band to that network switch. But at the same time, I had also taken that tri-band and plugged it directly into the router. So it was like going in a circle. And I don't know why I did that or how long ago I did that. Oh my. I have no clue. So that, so that probably was part of my issue. But I have done so many weird things to these routers that I had totally messed up the administration part of it because I had two networks but I had multiple Linksys accounts and I've had the tri-bands for so long that it was kind of before they I believe before they launched support for like multiple networks under one account so it was a whole big mess so I ended up having to restore all of my routers back to factory settings my Wi-Fi 6 and my tri-bands and then reset them all up again oh my word after all of this Golden. <laughs> Golden, man. I've got strong Wi-Fi 6 network everywhere in the house. It is perfect. It is crazy fast. Then I've got my uh, you know, smart home, my backup network, uh, the tri-band network. It is great. All of my smart home devices are on there. All of my home kit devices are showing as online. I'm also not even getting some of the drops that I had before. Like Sometimes I'd get uh, alerts on my like August head uh, disconnected from Wi-Fi not seeing that any longer everything is staying connected strong nice uh and on top of that i got the the wife the home kit update happened on my tri-bands and i now have home kit routers on my network so i've got those working too so that home kit update for the tri-band came through and that is all working as well so i'm pretty happy when it comes to networking i was not happy about the process to get there of hours of work and weird network circles that I at some point had done, but I am very happy that I now have working HomeKit routers on my network. So that was my second thing. Very cool. And what led to me going down that rabbit hole is my new studio is wrapping up. If you guys hear sawing, hammering, drills, all that in the background today, it's because they are finishing up while I'm recording. They're working on this without me getting that studio done today 
uh, for me to start moving in. So yesterday I had to set up all of my uh, smart tech, uh, or at least a lot of it, not all of it. I had to do my in-wall switches, my in-wall outlets, and my brilliant controller. So I had to do all of those yesterday. So that was a big project, but I nothing was adding to my network. Like I'm trying to set up all my iDevice outlets and they're like showing and they're trying to connect and then they wouldn't. And I could, so, you know, I was restarted, restarting everything. Nothing was working. So that's when I went down the whole rabbit hole of redoing my entire network. Once I did that, everything was working fine. But then Steven, I feel like a dumb, dumb. I installed all these outlets, right? The breaker's off. You turn the breaker on, and you got a whole bunch of switches and outlets that need to be added to HomeKit. Right. I did not know which one was which. Oh. So, like, the Home app, uh, you know, you go to add your accessory, and it's like, okay, scan your code. So I scan the code on one of the iDevice outlets, and then it's like, okay, which one is it? And then it lists all of my outlets. And I'm like, oh, no. And there's no identify option at this point. So it was literally just shooting in the dark, like, okay, well, maybe it's number, maybe it's this first one here, and then it would take five minutes, and then it's like, oh, it failed, incorrect pairing code. Mm. So you have to go to the next one on the list and repeat until I got all of them connected to the network. So that was, uh, that was a thing that I had to do. That's tough. Yeah, but I've got all of my uh, in-wall outlets, my in-wall switches are connected, my brilliant panel is also connected and that is working great because we've got two zones in the room, one for the filming side, our actual set and then one for my office space, so both those are on two different uh, gangs, two different switches there, so I've got a two gang brilliant panel on there, I got them set to LEDs and you can actually, I didn't know this before and I was playing with it in uh, my original one before I bought the new one, you can actually change like how fast they dim. Hmm. So you can actually change the speed at which they're they're dimming, which is really nice because you can make it quicker or slower, make it look smoother. Um, there's a lot of good stuff to kind of tinker with, but yeah, added to HomeKit too. Um, so I've got all that ready to go. I'm going to start moving my stuff down uh, the next few days. By the iPhone event, we are going to be filming out of the new studio, recording audio from the new studio. Nice. Very excited, but it has been clearly a lot. The only things that uh, we're going to finish the floor up today, then I've got to do two doors. i got to do a barn door for the storage room just because uh, there's no room for an actual opening door, and doing a pocket door sucks. So I'm going to do a custom barn door and then doing a custom uh, main door for the room. i got to go pick up uh, some glass for the top of that and then get to work on the CNC machine, getting some uh, some an image or some text uh, etched into the middle of the door. So a bunch of cool stuff left to do, but we are getting close to the actual room. I'm pretty excited, but... I clearly have been spending a lot of time just kind of going in circles. Apparently, literally in circles if you look at my networking. So, <laughs> literal loops. That's exciting, literal though, loops. man. That's that's very exciting. Are you gonna have like a monitor to see like what the camera's recording while you record? So I have that now. I use uh, a Ninja, um, an Atmos Ninja which uh, it does two different things. So one, it, it is a monitor, so I have it facing backwards, and I can actually see what I'm doing while I'm filming, but at the same time, it also acts as a, um, 
a recorder. So I can actually record raw video straight off the camera in Apple ProRes directly to these custom Atmos SSDs that clip into the back. So I've got one from uh, Angel and a Sony one, I think, that just slide on the back and let me record video there. They take up a lot of space, but when I'm doing a good video or if I'm doing something outside of the tech space, I'm actually filming something for someone and I want kind of a, a larger uh, color space and everything, I'll record onto the recorder for better quality. But yeah, I'm going to actually have a, spe uh, a full set two different sets to film on, uh, standard standardized lighting and everything, so it's going to be a lot less kind of playing around, and of course a nice home kit scene that's going to just immediately turn on the lights, turn off other lights, uh, and get everything ready to go with just a simple command rather than having to do everything manually. The only bummer part is I'm going to need another HomePod, and I kind of don't want to buy <laughs> another HomePod right now because I feel like a new one is going to be coming out, but I'm going to need a HomePod down there to control everything. So You don't have like an Apple TV you can put down there on the monitoring TV? Well, I do. It's n it's not for the hub portion. It's for the, for the voice control. I mean, I can do it through my phone, uh, but right. I always had better luck with HomePod. With HomePod. I just like being able to do it a little bit easier with HomePod versus my watch or my phone or anything like that so i i, I just i would like one down there but yeah i get it. i don't want to buy one yet so i'm definitely going to have to be using my phones and everything like that until uh a new home pod launches because i i'm gonna need one well very cool excited to see the finished product and how it turns out for sure you think we can maybe squeeze in a couple of these listener questions that we've had been waiting i know we've got a few of them this week to tackle i think we can get get through these to some degree yeah, we got a few. So we have a follow-up from Mario. He was talking about, he was a visually impaired, and so he was trying to set up lights with a motion sensor on the door to let him know like whether or not the door is open or not. And he was saying the problem is with the motion sensor, you know, if you can program the motion sensor and it decides the color of the light strip, say, around the door, that you could change the color when the door is closed to red, for example, uh, but the next time, like you enter, like from a different way, and the motion sensor sees, it'll change the light again, and even though the door is still closed, like the front door, I assume. I don't know. I think he's wondering: is there any way to lock it to only change the color when that one door is used? And I don't know. I, I guess you would maybe have to work on positioning of the motion sensor. Am I understanding that right? I thought that the door sensor, the contact sensor, was changing the color of the door or the, the light strip, whether it was open or closed. So if the contact sensor is shut, it's red. And if the contact sensor detects it's open, the light turns green. That's what I thought. So I'm not sure what the motion sensor is or if that's just for the color of the kitchen lights. I'm not sure. Mario, help us understand. <laughs> <laughs> see yeah yeah maybe maybe like take some pictures too of like what you're set up to i think that that might help to kind of diagnose what's going on anyway mario reach out again maybe take some pictures and see what's going on maybe we can help you uh let's go on to marlon he sent us a question he was asking about eve aqua and so you know he's got all the schedules and stuff for watering and irrigation but he wanted to know if there was any way to pause a schedule without having to delete it entirely. So he wants to keep the watering schedule so he doesn't have to set them all up again next time the season changes, but he doesn't want to use them for the winter for obvious reasons. So I know you kind of use these different irrigation systems, Andrew. Is there some way to kind of pause that thing, or is it just 
unplug the Eve Aqua? Is that easier than some other software solution? No, there's there's complete built-in support for this. I would not take the batteries out because then you have HomeKit reminding you that an accessory is not responding, which is kind of more just like OCD annoying than anything else. But uh, leave the batteries in. You can literally just go into the Eve app and you have a few different options, like you have on and off, and then you also have the option for pausing the schedule. So they just call it, you know, schedule on and off, but turn it to off and you're good. Golden, don't have to worry about anything. Okay. Lastly, this question comes from Paul and he's actually in Australia, which is, this is awesome. We got listeners like all over the world, but apparently he says in Australia, there's a smaller selection of HomeKit compatible devices that are available to him. And he is trying to set up an elaborate automation thing where he has a washing machine and a dryer plugged into smart switches, which I don't even know if that's something that we could do here in America because typically the dryers are like the 240 style. Yeah. But anyway, so he's got them plugged into smart switches. He's trying to monitor power usage. And so when power usage like goes below a threshold or above it, like he'll know when those things are done. I don't know. I mean, we've talked about that before. I don't know if there's an actual home kit ability to give an alert based on power usage, but I'll let you expand on that. And then he's also trying to figure out how to maybe automatically turn on an exhaust fan and stop it after 30 minutes once the dryer has stopped. Again, I don't know what kind of automation you can do that talks to a second device, especially if you're having to use that power feature on the power drop. But anyway, Andrew, what do you got any thoughts for Paul? So first off, there might be a way to do it uh, with the Eve energies. I'm not 100%. So you're, you're going to have to use a third-party HomeKit app, something like the Eve app, uh, possibly Home Plus uh, is good. You're going to want to create an automation, and this is going to have to just take some tinkering on his end to see if this is possible. But I went to the Eve app automation and rules, and then I scroll down for my giant list of rules uh, to create a new one. And your trigger is going to have to be if that uh, like outlet is in use. So I went to the add trigger. I went down, it might be somewhere else, but I went to other value. And to test this, I have an Eve Energy uh, power strip, Eve Energy strip. That is here in my living room, which is somewhere in my house. There it is. Okay, and if I go down to my Eve Energy Strip, there is power on and off, so it just detects if it was turned on or off. But there's also ones for active and one for in use. I have not played with these statuses before. I don't know really what the difference between like active versus in use is. Obviously power is if, it, if that outlet is turned on or off. Active to me seems similar. Like, is it activated or on or off? So I'm not sure what the difference between active is versus uh, in use. And in use is that should be what we're using to drive this automation because it should be looking for if that outlet that's on is actively being used, is power being drawn. And only a few HomeKit outlets can detect this. And Eve is actually one of them. Uh, the Eve Energy and Eve Energy Strip both can monitor how much power is being drawn uh, and allows you to kind of monitor that from the Eve app. So if you created a trigger of in use that theoretically, if things worked correctly and your, your washer or dryer drew no power when it was off and then drew power when it was on, then that in use conditional 
should work as a trigger to trigger whatever it is that you want to do, whether that is turning on your exhaust fan or something like that. And you can, I believe, there's a timer function now, right? So turning on right. an outlet or something and then automatically have it revert after a set period of time. So you can set the amount of time before that automation undoes itself. So you should be able to do both of those things. The other option is, and if you're limited in devices, this may not be a thing, and it's also not out yet, but they have um, Belkin released that new Wemo, or they didn't release, they announced it at CES this year. They announced that new version of its smart plug that detects uh, power consumption. And we talked about this before in another episode where you could use it with like a charger. So you set your phone on a charger and then that detects it, which is used for a trigger inside of HomeKit. So maybe whenever you place your phone on a charger uh, by your bed, it turns off your lights. So it kind of detects that you're going to bed, you put your charger, your phone on a charger and your lights turn off or something along those lines. So that would be an option when that launches and it's available in Australia. If you've already got some Wemo devices, this may be coming there as well, but that could be a possibility because it's literally designed just to detect and trigger things based on power consumption. And with that one, I believe you can actually even dial in, uh, from what they were telling me, they were hoping you'd be able to dial in the sensitivity of it because there might be some vampire draw that still kind of mm. triggers it. So you can raise the threshold before it's triggered as maybe in use. That might be possible already with those Eve switches there. Just check out the Eve app and those rules, and that might get uh, get him where he needs to go. Well, hope that helps. Again, if you have HomeKit questions or projects going on, don't forget to reach out. You can tweet with the hashtag HomeKitInsider. Mention Andrew and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes and really guarantees that we see it so we can answer your question on the show. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate a five, six, or eight-star review in Apple Podcasts. There's actually been a bunch of you still doing that. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all those five-star and six-star reviews as you comment those in. We see it. And don't forget, you can find links to all the products and news we talked about in the show notes. You can go to appleinsider.com slash podcast and see everything there as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.